Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello everybody, welcome to More Than Just A Podcast, podcast, podcast. Um, I'm George, I'm in podcast. the studio with Reese and John. Hello Reese and John. Hello George. <laughs> Reese is eating a lolly. Reese is sucking on his lolly. <laughs> and Sean is... That's so not professional. Sean is, where are you Sean? I'm in a outside uh, broadcast studio in the countryside. I see. So, Sean, again, couldn't be bothered to come into the studio. Even though this is the uh, the big build-up podcast we've been having for last week or so, Sean. Yeah. We've got a uh, very special phone interview coming up later this this episode. And and we are going international as well in Fan of the Week. We are we're going to a different time zone. We pre-recorded in a different time zone, but I won't spoil what time zone. That's another another reveal. But that's probably not the most exciting part of our podcast, is it, Sean? It is not. I am so excited. Um, I can't so wait. We, we're not going <laughs> to give the reveal yet. I'm really excited. Reese is back in the studio after missing last week's podcast due to being playing football. How did you get on, Reese? One for one. Did you? Mm. Come on, you yellows. How did you get on uh, the uh, weekend? Lost three, two. 92nd minute goal. Oh, no. But we're still sixth or seventh, so. Yellows are rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> <doing all right. laughs> He's laughing to himself. Oi, why don't you tell Reese what, what somebody said on the Facebook last week? You know, that the by the fans, for the fans, by the fans, oh, even yeah, though some, one of them's not a fan. Tweeted saying, um, put on our Facebook page saying that they really like the podcast, but we say it's for the fans, by the fans when we don't, when one of them's not even a West Ham fan. Oh, what the hell? And then John said, no, I think we've turned him a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Who is this bloke? Uh, have you been Terry turned, Reese? Have oh, we groomed right. you? Say that again. Have we turned you? Have we groomed you? No. Groomed you? Have we groomed you? To become a West Ham Someone else put on the Facebook page. No, you're saving that for later, John. I've put a little part in the script for that. 
However, don't, don't spoil the punchline if you read David Gold's does this script involve earlier. Me as well, or? No, no, it doesn't. No, no, don't spoil the punchline. Okay. On with the show, anyway. We've got a lot to fit in. On with the show, anyway. Have we got a lot to fit in? Giggity. <laughs> I just said that. Um, he, he just said that. So we played Man City on Saturday, Saturday evening, um, and we got a draw, which, let's be honest, is a brilliant result. And George was the only one who could bother to go. And I was the only one who was bothered to go. Um, it was a good, good, entertaining match. I said, although there's no goals, it was still very entertaining. Um I think we could have nicked it, to be honest. Man City didn't look that dangerous. I mean, they probably had the better chances, but we had some good chances as well. And we had a goal disallowed that wasn't offside. Um, me and Reese had a little debate just watching the goals back earlier. Mm. Um, and he said he was offside, his arm's offside. I said, ah, no, actually offside rule states that a part of your body that you can use to touch Correct. the ball has to, be off on, has to be offside in order for you to be offside. Mm. So you would have thought the footballer were amongst Do us. Do you have a habit of uh, teaching me new stuff? I do. Today I taught you all about earthworms, didn't I? Yeah. Um, I think everyone agreed, didn't they, that it was a goal. It always should have been a goal. And, you know, even Man City um, and Match of the Day said the same. They said, yeah, shouldn't have been offside. Lino got it wrong. Well, there you go. So we, we would have nicked it then, wouldn't we? But who yeah. knows what would happen if we'd have gone up. But anyway, anyway, a good game. Uh, stats say... Man City 61%, West Ham 39% in possession. It's not bad. Uh, we had six shots, one on target. City had 18 shots with eight on target. So Can I just take a uh, disagree with that, even though I wrote it? <laughs> I mean, they, they came from BBC, those stats. But I'm going to say six shots and only one on target is wrong because Nolan's goal was on target, was it not? Yeah, but it was disallowed, so technically it doesn't count. <laughs> and Ben Ayun's was on target before it got tipped over and hit the post. It didn't get tipped over, it hit the bar. Who's Ben? Oh, no, 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 no. You look at the replay. Oh, it was yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah. Fingertip touch by Hart. He didn't heart. touch it. He didn't touch it. He it did the touch post. it. It hit the, it hit the bar oh, before his hands went in front of it. already, John. Not this early on in the podcast. Have a look. I've looked at it, Sean. You're wrong. I've looked at it and I'm right. He touches it with his finger no, and wrong, it, it hits. It, he touches it. It was going in. He touches it onto the bar. Was it a corner? No, because no, the ref gave it wrong. It the, ref, bar. Well, the ref had already, and the line had already got it wrong, wrong once already. So the they ball got had beaten again. him. The ball had beaten him. It already got past him before he put his hands in front of it. It hit the bar. Disagree. Well, you're wrong. Let's agree to disagree. And, anyway. of course, Carroll got a couple of good... He, he tried his overhead kick. It didn't quite come off. Yeah, no, um, his, his overhead kick came off. I think he got blocked, didn't it? Yeah, well, no, you're right. He did get blocked, didn't it? Looked it? Like, it looked like it was going, really. And he had the yeah. chance in the first half. On the and he had the box, chance in the first half. went past the post. I've got a confession to make. I only watched the first half um, on ESPN. Oh, and the second half, I was fan. at Bonfire Party. So, oh, true fan. But, John, you watched it all. I did, ESPN. yeah. Go on, give your view. Well, yeah, I, I was pleased with it. It was, you know, we held our own well. Carroll looked all right again. He he had a good chance. Just went past the uh, post. Hart watched it go past him. You know, if he'd got that actually on target, which he wasn't far off, that would have been his first goal. It was an offside goal that shouldn't have been. We could have won it one nil. I was pleased all over, to be honest with you. It was a decent result. Yeah, we would have been happy with the point. George, can I ask you a question? Did you say, when you saw the chicken dance, 
Did you start celebrating? Or could no, you see it was I can honestly say I didn't. I saw the flag go up before he put it in the back of the net. Right, okay. A lot so of, you... No one else did, though, and uh, Rob and Sam behind us were doing the chicken <laughs> dance on their chairs. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, it was disallowed. And did your girlfriend enjoy the game? She did, yes, I think. Mm. I don't know. Didn't ask her. And sweet, sweet Emma took my ticket. Yes. Did she enjoy the game? I think so. Good. Good. Um, Sarah behind us has is, uh, found new fan friends. I, I saw that? that. I saw that, yeah. Um, so, play- Are you jealous, Sean? That's what I no. said. I said in the email, Sean will be jealous. No. Uh, so player ratings for the game. Winston Reed takes man of the match, according to Ian Dale's uh, West Ham to I Die website. I was, I was surprised to that. Uh, he had a good game. I mean, they were Yeah, but I'd say that. I would have given it to Yossi, although sponsor man of the match was... Uh, Mark Noble. Mark Noble, was it? No, Andy Carroll. Andy Carroll. Yeah, I think okay. say, he had a good game. He didn't... Well, I was he didn't... He didn't... Uh, <laughs> he didn't have a bad game and he just didn't score, but apart from that... Um, and Sam Allardyce got number three. Yeah. I always like to... More interested in who's on the bottom. Who's the bottom three, George? Carlton Carl was at the bottom. Yeah. He came on very ineffective, as always. Uh, Jordan Spence came on. He, uh, he, that's not fair, really. That's, a, that's a bit unfair. Yeah, he I didn't think do anything wrong, He didn't did do anything he? wrong. He didn't look phased by the fact he was up against Aguero and Tevez. Um, he came on done well. And then Gary O'Neill came on. Um, he's at third bottom, which again is a bit unfair because he came on, just, just put a shift in and ground out the draw. But maybe telling just above that is Momo Army and Matt Jarvis, who were supposed to be two of the bright lights in our... New setup and uh, you know mid mid table obscurity in the player ratings. Well, when Jarvis started to get more in the game, he had the beating, didn't he? Of uh, what was his name when he was playing up against? But he he started to really take him apart a bit a bit later on in the game. So if they'd have got him a bit more involved, I think he would have done a bit. You're right, John. Well, and Jessica Linen, Jessica Linen, let's just carry on. Jessica yeah. Linen, just above him, and I thought he he didn't have too bad a game to want to be towards the bottom of the player ratings as well. But I suppose that's everyone's opinion. Everyone has their own opinion. Anyway, last they? thing I would yeah. like to say is what I was really pleased at um, is you know we're missing Demel, uh, and we're missing uh, Tompkins who had a late fitness test. So missing two big defenders and still we defended against the champions. So oh, are we going to be missing three now? What's happened with Yeah, so colleagues? so I something about you'll see it on David Gold Twitter time, uh, question time. <laughs> I don't I don't know exactly what's you going segment. on, but James Collins is is injured and was having a scan today. That's all yeah. I know. Well, well, he, sure, went he went off. off in the second half. The second half. He well, didn't I, watch. I didn't see the second half, so that's why I, you tell me what happened. Well, he went off. O'Brien went into the middle and Spence came on. Yeah, but why did he go off? What happened? He got he stretched knocked. Stretched for a ball and pulled he, his hammy. He, I think, I think uh. he did his ankle. I think he turned his ankle. Yeah. Ooh. So it sounds like he might be out for a while. Mm. So we will see. But yes, okay. That was that was Saturday. Man City. Yeah. Good result. So next on the running order is Ian McGregor at the Canio Hammer fan of the week. Uh, Sean, do you want to give him a little introduction on where he's from? Yeah. Or do you do that in? Sorry, I haven't actually listened to it yet. Do you do that in there or? Well, I do, but I just say, for all you Canadians out there, all you West Ham Canadian fans, this is just for you. (laughs) 
Fan of the Week. And we welcome two more than just a podcast. Ian McGregor, who is our Fan of the Week. And we've got a bit of an international feel this week because he's speaking from Vancouver in Canada. That's right, isn't it, Ian? That's right, mate. Yeah, west coast of Canada. That's a long way away to be a West Ham fan. So let's go straight into it. What what on earth possessed you to support West Ham being living in Canada? Well, I've been here a long time, but the thing is, I grew up in England, eh, Sean? I, uh, my old man was in the forces, so I grew up in the place called, I don't know if you've heard of it, um, um, Odium in Hampshire. and yeah. um, I know I Hampshire, I'm not... Yeah, yeah, it's actually a place called Basingstoke. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, I grew up close to there. Uh, my, um, I was born in Scotland, and my um, my old man got posted to. Uh, I actually started, believe it or not, I started supporting West Ham in Hong Kong. I uh, my dad got posted out to uh, Hong Kong as part of the uh, RAF, and uh, they were the only team that they were really showing at any point on TV. And I started picking up on West Ham uh, when I was a kid, you know, like eight years old, out in Hong Kong. And of course, we moved back to England. Uh, my dad got posted back to England in uh, 1975. So that started following West Ham in 1975. And of course, I moved. My mum and dad emigrated. My dad left the forces, and we emigrated out to uh, Canada in 1980. So I followed them pretty intensely as a as a teenager from like 75 to 80. And then um, I basically moved out to Canada. And, of course, it was super hard to get um, a lot of co- TV coverage out here. We just didn't have it. Uh, so I started um, – we used to get this paper that you come out on Saturdays, the Vancouver Sun. It was the only way I could find out the scores was to get the late edition. So I've, I had a, uh, a good friend of mine who was an Everton fan, and me and him would always wait for those scores every Saturday afternoon, but it was hard to follow them. It was hard to follow them at that oh, before point. Twitter, yeah. Before before you could follow oh, my yeah. my feed on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, exactly, mate. So, yeah, I've, I've um, I'm a transplanted limey, mate, as they call us. You know, I've been out here for uh, 32 years now, mate. So, when when's the last game you went to in person? I was at, at the five years ago, actually. I was, that's the last time I was in London. I went to see Sunderland. Sunderland West Ham. That was when Bellamy was playing. All right. Scored the third goal, and uh, yeah, I came over, and uh, I've got relatives in England, so I, I stay. I've got some relatives up in uh, Sheffield there. So, Good. but uh, yeah, that's the last game I was at. Was so I understand you watched the game on Saturday against Man City, ten yeah. thirty yeah. in the morning. So you were telling me, uh, yeah. what, what do you think? I mean, what do you think of the season so far? What did, what do you think of our performance on Saturday? I thought the performance on Saturday, you know what, even though it's, I thought it was the best team effort of the season. I mean, I, I thought um, there wasn't really a lot of weak players in that game. I thought Nolan, apart from the goal that he scored, he wasn't too, he was a little bit absent in that game. It's maybe not a game that kind of suits his type of style, but I thought Winston Reed and Collins were just rocks back there. I mean, the amount of shot blocking that Collins did and, and Reed. I, basically, most of their chances didn't really come inside the box. I mean, they had a couple of key chances there, but I thought they had a great team effort. I thought it was a great all-round team game. So far this season, it's uh, it's been great. I don't know. I'm one of the few that like Sam Allardyce. A lot of the fans are wishy-washy with him, but I think he's brought stability to the club. I think he knows how to win in that league. I think he knows what he's doing. He's just a, a good all-round manager. He's got them playing well. It'd be nice to see... Um, 
um, a lot of people aren't talking about the Alessandro Diara. I'd, I'd like to see what he would be like in the midfield, but maybe there's no room for him right now. And I know he's injured, but um, Noble's having an outstanding year. I mean, it's just been an all-round really decent start to the season. It's good that we're collecting these points because it's going to come in handy with this tough run of games coming up. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, well, as you say, you know, we shouldn't get too carried away. We've got a tough run no, of games no. coming up. So, oh boy, um, mate, it's going to be tough. We're a little bit short of time today with Fan of the Week because we've got our super-duper uh, um, interview with, with a West Ham legend. Um, but what we always ask is, what's your view on the Olympic Stadium? It would be interesting to know, as an overseas fan, where you sit in the whole, should we move or should we stay um, You know, at the Bolin or, or go to the new Olympic Stadium Stratford? Where do you sit on this, Ian? You know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm not really, I don't know, I'm not on the, I mean, obviously I'm not living over there, right, but I've been keeping up to date with what's been going on with it. I think it'd be a good, I think it would be a good move. I mean, obviously structurally wise for people to get to the game, you know, uh, transportation wise, I've been hearing it's a lot better of a choice. I, one of the things that I really want <clears throat> maybe for them to move in there though is because I think it's the only way we're going to get investment into the team as well. I mean, I've been hearing those rumors about that Australian. Is it Westfield? Westfield. Yeah. Um, I, I just strongly believe that if if we don't move Frank into Lowry. that stadium, what's it called? Frank Lowry is the chap who owns Westfield. That, that's that's exact. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think that if they move into that Olympic stadium, maybe he's going to take more of an interest. But I just I just um, think that it's going to be an all round better move for the Hammers. I don't know if we're going to be able to fill that with sixty thousand, but if it's going to be cheaper for some families and some children to actually afford to go to the games, then, again, maybe that's a wise move. I'm sure David Gold and Sullivan, they know what they're doing in Brady. They've obviously got a plan set out. Who knows how it's going to work out with the uh, the track. I, I think that's going to be a sticking point. It's a lot of money. Uh, I think it's, what is it, $20 million they got to spend just to uh, to change the... Well, the latest is $200 million, but what's the oh, $180 million between friends? <laughs> Anyway, we're <laughs> excellent. Well, what we're going to do, we're pre-recording this because of the time difference with Canada, and we, you know, we, we uh, later in the time we usually do fan of the week live, but we're pre-recording this in the afternoon. Uh, right. You need to ask your question. If you've listened to fan of the week before on the podcast, mm-hmm. it is you ask your question, which can be football-related and non-football-related. You have to wait until the podcast tonight to find our answers. But if you could ask your question now, Ian. Yeah, sure. I was actually, um, I was going to ask a football-related question, but I'm not going to, I'm just a, I watched a movie last night, Sean. Dude, I, I was going to ask any of you that, what's the scariest movie you guys have ever seen? I watched a movie last night called The Descent. Unbelievable. Have you seen that? I, I, I haven't. Just, no. Unbelievable. Oh, but you can maybe ask the boys, you know, what's the scariest movie they've seen? Pretty All simple. Right. We will ask that tonight. Do you want to say what your handle is on Twitter? Yeah, it's uh, at Decanio Hammer, mate. Decanio's my hero. Excellent. Well, you've been Fan of the Week, and if you want to follow Ian, uh, follow him, Decanio Hammer, on Twitter. Thanks, Ian. Thanks, lads. Thanks right, a lot, bye. lads. Have a good one. See you, mate. So that was our Fan of the Week, Ian, from Vancouver. Sean, was it, was it a good interview? It was a good interview, yes. We should do more international ones with our international. We're now a global community. Crazy. And Crazy. he asked us our Fan of the Week question, didn't he? Mm. Yeah, who's going to go first? I think we should go first. I watched The Strangers. That made me jump. That's not a nice film to watch. 
Not really a scary film person. Never heard of it. John, what's yours? The Evil Dead? Yeah, I think that's got... When I was about 14 or 15, I managed to get a dodgy video copy of The Evil Dead. I think you were going to come around and watch it with me, Sean, with Gary, and you blew out, so I watched it on my own, and it scared yeah. the shit out of me then. Yeah. But looking back at it, you know, in, in <laughs> about five it's or funny. six years later, it really wasn't Comedy. scary. So, but there you go. <laughs> wasn't it just like a dance club? <laughs> it was just, when you look at the effects now, it's just, yeah. But, yeah, it did scare me quite a lot as a child. Um, I don't think, I, I can't remember ever getting really scared at a film or dreading watching a film. I think the the one that I remember going to see at the cinema was The Village. Do you remember that one? Uh, where they all lived in... I'm talking to Reese. So yeah, kind of. Where they all lived in a village. And they didn't let anyone escape. Didn't let anyone escape. And then it turns out they just lived in normal times. But yeah, they were, yeah. But it was, it was quite a clever film. So I just ruined the film yeah. for anyone who's going to... As a child, I thought Poltergeist and Friday the 13th with Jason were really scary, as I say, as a child. And the Hammer House horror um, films, particularly ones with scarecrows, I've never trusted scarecrows to this day. But modern times, I would go for one How of the sort of How many scarecrows do you know, Sean? I just don't know. Scarecrows freak me out. If you want to freak me out... <laughs> I've never trusted a scarecrow to this day. I know. You to do your tax before. And he, he but I don't know. In modern day, I would say the, the Saw movies are pretty scary. Oh, they're not scary. Are they gory, gruesome? There we go. There you go. There you go. Um, so, Sean, this is the moment of truth. Your oh, big, I'm so excited. big reveal. Yeah. We have been talking for the last week on Twitter and on last week's podcast about this exciting West Ham legend we are going to be interviewing. Uh, do you want to have your moment of glory and let yeah. everyone... Or so should we, do you want, should we say or should we just play the tape? Um, no, let Sean say it took, took some doing didn't it to organise yeah so yeah, um, the person has just joined Twitter um, he is the boyhood football hero of myself and John uh, we went to every home game and a couple of away games in 1986 hopefully we're getting a bit warmer to he is he was born in West Ham he came through the academy he's one of our most prolific goal scorers it's TC, it's Tony Cotty, and I'm so excited, and I interviewed him earlier today. And we welcome to more than just a podcast. He's a West Ham legend. Uh, he scored 115 goals in all competitions for West Ham, with 276 appearances, or so it says on Wikipedia. Tony Cotty. Hiya, Sean. It was more than that. It was 146 goals, Sean, it was. Do you know what? I always do this. I look up at Wikipedia <laughs> and it's it's always wrong. So it's always no, 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 You're actually right in terms of my first spell at the club, but you've got to add on a few more for the second spell. So if you do that, then you get 146. But I don't believe everything you read on yeah, Wikipedia. Yeah, well, what I do proof. usually, we're going, we'll go and update it afterwards. So uh, also, and hopefully Wikipedia's got this right, you were born in Plasto and a, a bit of a East End boy to begin with. I was actually born in West Ham, so there you go, there's another one. <laughs> I was born in the old Forest Gate Hospital, actually in West Ham, and I'm, I'm so proud to say that on my birth certificate it says, birthplace, West Ham, and I've always been very proud of that. So do you, where, what street were you living in around there at the time? Well, I was only actually in, um, I, was, I was in East Ham with my, my parents, but we was only there for about 18 months. Um, we was in uh, Strome Road in, um, in East Ham, uh, but like I say, it was only first 18 months of my life, and then we then moved out to uh, the Romford area, and then we sort of had spells at Wickford before. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Serving back in the Romford area, and that was really where I was brought up as a kid and obviously starting to play my, you know, my early days of football. And do you go back visiting? Because, you know, certainly around Plasto, we, we go a lot around the Black Line pub and everything. And, you know, it's changed over the years I've been going. Have you seen a lot of changes in Romford and around uh, West Ham since oh, then? Oh, yeah, M- massive changes, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I think I'm actually due to, to go to the Black Line pub towards the end of the month and see a few guys and a few mates and that. So I look forward to that. Um, but, you know, I mean, Plasto, I mean, I've already said my, the hospital I was born in has long since gone and... Um, you know, I think Romford's changed as well, and 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 many other places sort of surrounding the East End, really. And uh, you know, it, it feels—I don't know whether it's the case for everyone—but it feels that you know, you know, a lot of the West Ham supporters are now based out where I am, which is in Essex. So, yeah. and I think the geography of the country's changed, um, but you know, that's isn't it? And I think we all get on with it, and we all sort of just commute back into the into the football club now, and you know, wherever you live, you, you sort, of, sort of commute in and go to the game still. Yeah, we're on our fourth pub with the Black Line because we started at the Prince Albert, which is being converted to flats. Uh, Greengate recently became a Tesco's. The castle closed down. So, you know, it's, they're closing down. The whole area is, is, is in need of investment. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I think the Princess Alice as well. I think that one there's a pub that used to be around the corner from the ground. So, you know, there's many, many pubs that are closed, but it's, it's just a dying trade, unfortunately. And it's a great shame for the fans because where, where are you meant to go? You know, you want to meet up and have your, your, your talking places and have a nice pint and something to eat before the game. But, you know, they're becoming few and far between. So we'll have to see. I mean, obviously, there's, there's a lot of talk about the club going to Stratford. And if that happens, that, that might well know, open up a few new places for the fans, yeah. but uh, we'll just have well, to wait and see. We'll talk about that later. So let, let me take you back to a 17-year-old. Do you remember that? New Year's Day, 1983. Yeah. Well, one of the happiest days of my life, Sean. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I watched it on YouTube last night. I don't know if you know, but there's a YouTube clip of your head in the goal. Really? Yeah. 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 And so well, I, I, 
I was lucky because, you know, going back, I mean, we're going back nearly 30 years now, and, you know, in those days, I mean, I think any youngsters listening to this will say, well, you know, why is it on YouTube? And, you know, I, I was actually lucky that the game was covered by ITV, the big match, um, you know, which was the highlights program, you know, and if the cameras hadn't been present at that particular game, you know, my goal would never have been recorded because they just simply didn't record every single goal and every single incident that happens in, in football nowadays. So I'm very fortunate, really, and, uh, you know, for any youngsters who want to see the goal, they can see it, but I was just lucky on that particular day the game was televised. Yeah. So is it? what is your most magic? Is that your most magic match for West Ham, or would you pick another one? Um, I think... It, People, I mean, one of the most frequently asked questions, you know, what's your, what's your favourite goal? And it's, it's absolutely bizarre, really, but I think it, I always answer with my first goal. Um, you know, it, it's very hard to explain um, as a fan. And, you know, first and foremost, I am a West Ham fan. I'm not a West Ham player who became a fan. I'm a West Ham fan who became a player. And to try and put all that in perspective is very difficult because... I was at the, the 1980 FA Cup final, the 1981 League Cup final, which, uh, bearing in mind, I made my debut 18 months after that 81 League Cup final. I mean, I, I went from cheering on the terraces, my, my great heroes, you know, the likes of Parksy and Alan Dev, Alvin, Ray Stewart, all these great players, Billy Bombs, Trevor Brookin, and within 18 months, I was playing and making my first team debut. So, you know, to, to try and begin to describe what my emotions were like for as a 17-year-old, and then obviously to score a goal and to beat Tottenham three 0 you know, it just doesn't really get much better than that on yeah. a baby, does it? So that's it that's why the answer is always my first goal because I think it was so special. Yeah, well, we we were there, myself and John, and my fellow uh, podcast presenter. Uh, were there in 1986. We went to pretty much every home game and a few away games of that magic season. Uh, you know, I've got a confession to make. You were my boyhood football hero. Um, I met Bobby Moore uh, once and had my photo taken with him, but he was my, my father's <laughs> hero. Yeah, and obviously, a wonderful man, Bobby. In, in the 80s, it, it was, you know, yourself being the home guy and, and Frank McAvenny, but obviously he was brought in. Um, I'm going I'm to bring you, fast forward you a little bit because we're going to ask some other questions because I know you get asked about, you know, the 86 a lot and you've answered a lot of those. But, I mean, the elephant in the room and the big question everyone always asks, and I think you may have covered it in your new book because I haven't read it yet, but you broke a lot of West Ham hearts, including my own, when you left for Everton. Uh, you know, what was the real reason? Were you forced out? What, what was the, the reasoning behind that? Well, I, I don't actually cover it in the in the new book I've got out, uh, Sean. I, I actually covered it in the first book, really. And, the, you know, the, the reason I left West Ham is I, I just became frustrated. I really did. And you mentioned that wonderful 86 season. And, um, you know, we should have won the league that year. We didn't. We finished third. And, you know, I got really excited as a, as a player. You know, you know, don't forget, I'd gone from being a fan to becoming a professional footballer, someone who desperately, desperately wanted to do his the best for himself and for the club, obviously, because it was my club. And I really wanted us to kick on after that 86 season, but there was no investment. We didn't buy the two or three players that we all knew we needed. And I just got frustrated um, over the next couple of seasons. And also as well, which didn't help, was I got into the England team. And I think once you get into the England squad, you, you sit with all the other players and all talking about their medals and winning the championship and the FA Cup and you know how much money they was earning. And, and like... Any job, really, when you hear people, you know, saying how great it is and you, you believe that the grass is greener and that you can go somewhere else and maybe win, uh, you know, because football's such a short career as a footballer, you know. 
Um, as a fan, you can't change your allegiance, and I would never change my allegiance. I'm a West Ham fan. I will be to the day I die. But as a you know, as a player, you can change what you're doing and what direction you're going in. And it was my choice to leave West Ham. It wasn't the club's choice. They didn't want me to leave. Um, you know, I decided to leave because I wanted to pursue the things I've just spoken about. Obviously, I went to Everton and won absolutely nothing. So yeah. <laughs> perhaps looking back with hindsight, you know, it wasn't the right thing to do. But uh, you know, you make your decisions in life, and that was a big one I had to call and. You know, I had a wonderful time at Everton. It's a great club. But, you know, looking back, and I have said this in the new book, you know, I wish that I'd have stayed at West Ham for the whole of my career because I could look back and be Sir Trevor Brookin and be one of the great, you know, heroes. And, you know, I probably would be further up the goal-scoring list. And, you know, who knows what I could have achieved. But, you you know, you have you come to crossroads in your life as a, as a, as a person and as a player, and that was one of them. And, you know, obviously I decided to go to Everton. And was it the same when you came back? You know, is it like you never left, or, or was it different when you returned the second time? Um, it, it was difficult for a while because, I mean, when I left, and you know, you've obviously said yourself you was disappointed when I left, and I know that I upset a lot of fans. And um, you know, I think when I first that first couple of seasons, I think it was fair to say I had a very mixed reception. I think you know, some of the fans booed me and some of the fans clapped me. Um, but it wasn't until we've already mentioned his name, the great Bobby Moore, when Bobby Moore died. And I came back for the Bobby Moore um, game, and which was West Ham against the Premier League eleven. And you know, the Premier League very kindly asked me to represent Everton. I was so thrilled, and I, I was so pleased because if anyone else had been invited, I would have been absolutely devastated. But at the same time, I was thinking, well, what sort of reception am I going to get? Because I, I didn't know because I'd had very mixed before. And we done, which was unusual in those days. We done the lineup. You know, all the teams, both teams lined up, and they actually read out the player's name and who he was representing. And when they read my name out, I thought, "Oh, here we go!" And I just got a massive round of applause. And I think that was that was when I knew that if I could come back to West Ham, I think I knew that I would welcome back, and I knew that I wanted to come back. You know, because I'd been in, I've been at Everton for five years, I think, and I was missing London, and I wanted to get back. So that was that was the moment I knew I could come back to the club. So obviously that moves on to the next question, which you're probably expecting, which is you've, you've finished your career, professional career in a Millwall shirt, which is a strange <laughs> choice for a West Ham fan. <laughs> I mean, how did that come about? Um, well, the, the, my last season as a player, and again I cover this in in the book. You know, it was disastrous season for me because Martin O'Neill, I was at Leicester. Martin O'Neill left Leicester to go to Celtic, and I knew that I'd be leaving Leicester in the Premier League. I then went to Norwich for a very short spell in what was the equivalent of the championship. Um, and then I then had, a, again, a not very successful spell as a player manager at Barnet in what is the equivalent of League Two. And then there were six weeks left of the season. And this, this, this was in the days pre-transfer window. And, um, and I had to make a decision on where I wanted to go and play the, the last six weeks of the season. And I'll be honest with you, Sean. I mean, the, 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 the two, there was two reasons I went to Millwall. Um, the first was they offered me the most money, and you know, people say footballers are selfish. Yeah, I, I had to do what was right for me and my family. I had to get the most money. And secondly, it, it just meant that if I played for Millwall in some capacity, I would have played in all four divisions for four different clubs in one season, which was. Yeah. I don't know. I suppose it was a quirky sort of it's thing. It's a record. That, I read know, that. Yeah, it's a, it's a record. Yeah, absolutely. And since. well, you can't break it now because of the transfer window. You can only play for three different yeah, clubs now. You can't play for four. So, you know, it meant I achieved that. But you know, when I went to Millwall, as soon as I signed for them, I thought, 
it, it didn't feel right. Even driving to training in the morning when I sort of went through the Blackwall Tunnel, it was, or, or the Rotherhive Tunnel, I should say. You know, it was like, and I'm going the other side of the river. It didn't feel right to me. And lovely, there was lovely people. The, the, the staff and the people that worked at the club were lovely people. But I think the fans knew I was a West Ham boy, and I knew I knew I was a West Ham boy that shouldn't be playing for Millwall. And yeah. you know, it was quite funny at times. I mean, I, I was only only made a couple of substitute appearances, and as he went to get warmed up, all the Millwall fans were shouting at me, "What are you doing here? You're a West Ham boy. You should be in a Millwall shirt." And it it was quite funny in a way. And you know, it, but it was again looking back, I think really I shouldn't have done it, but. It, you know, I've done it for the right reasons, yeah. but um, I am trying to wipe that out of my history, I think. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, we'll move on. Let's go back to 1986. Obviously, uh, I've already said, you know, I was there that, that wonderful season, uh, amazing goes, goals from you and Frank. Third place, which would have got us, obviously, Champions League. Uh, the question is, and this comes from John, one of our fellow uh, podcast presenters who was with me um, for mo- most of those games in '86. Do you think it's possible for West Ham to ever challenge for top four again with, you know, like they did with a mixture of old players, a few shrewd buys and youth players, or can it only be bought nowadays? I don't I think, unfortunately, the answer at the moment, John, is no. Um, it doesn't mean to say we can't achieve that in the future. Um, I mean, I, I look at one of our greatest rivals and I see what they've achieved and what they continue to achieve, and that is, I keep mentioning Tottenham Hotspur, and I look at them, they've got a very similar ground to us at the moment. They've got a very similar fan base. And yet, for some reason, they seem to have bought quality players and they, they're able to challenge to get into the Champions League. And I honestly believe if Tottenham can do it, we can do it. And that is my own feelings on it. It won't happen overnight because obviously we've had two disastrous relegations in the 21st century. Yeah. And I think that has set the club back a long way. But I think given time, given a bit of investment and potentially going to a new stadium, I think would might give us the platform to achieve that. But um, the way things are at the moment, I think all, all we can all do is just look back and reminisce on what was a fantastic season in 86. And, you know, I never get tired of talking about it. The fans, you know, it was for the fans as much as the players. You know, yeah. it was a great time to be a player. But as a fan, I don't think you'd ever seen as much quality football as what we played that no. season. We 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 we'd never been that close to winning the league, you know, right up until the last but one game. And you know, I think the fans, if if we never get anywhere near it in the next 50 years, people like yourselves and people like me who was there and played in it will always look back and have you know the most fantastic memories. So winning four 0 at Chelsea, but when are, when are we ever going to win four 0 at Chelsea again? <laughs> it's not going to happen, is it? it really uh, first December maybe. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you know, we, we, we can dream, we can dream, yeah. can't we, of it? But you know, it, uh, just in reality, yeah, we're not gonna, we're not gonna achieve those heights again at the moment. I'm not saying we can't because we, listen, we might get bought by a shape from somewhere, you know, somewhere in the, the Middle East or whatever, and we might have the money that Manchester City have got well. because that's the only reason they've won the, the Premier League and are playing Champions League football because of the money situation. So, you know, things might change, but. Unfortunately, the answer is no to the question you asked me. Yeah. So well, let's talk about actually takeover bids and uh, and chairman, etc. So I know one of the things that is covered in your new book, which I still haven't read yet, but I will soon, um, is you talk about your involvement in the consortium uh, consortium that yep. was um, a rival bid to Golden Sullivan. How how close did you get, you know, to that being successful? Well, it, it was it was the original um, takeover, Sean, which was the Icelandic one, which was yeah. I, I was heavily involved in. 
I mean, I was sort of on the periphery of, you know, when Golden Sullivan were involved with, with talking to other people. I actually talked to, to David Gold as well, which I cover in the book. So, you know, I, I, I sort of knew what was going on with the Golden Sullivan one a little bit. But um, the main involvement from a takeover point of view was, was the Icelandic one. And, and that was one of the main reasons I wrote the book, really, is because, you know, people over the last six years since it happened, you know, a lot of people, a lot of West Ham fans, you know, they... They asked me that question. Oh, you know, weren't you involved in the takeover? And I said, yeah, I was really involved with the Icelandics and that. And when people ask the question, they sort of give me that look as if to say, yeah, all right, yeah, of course you were. Yeah, yeah, I don't really believe what you're saying. And and it frustrates me because I put a lot of time and effort into it and I had nothing but the best interests of the club at heart to try and achieve it. And yet people don't seem to believe my involvement. So it's one of the main reasons I've done it. And obviously to put... You know, from a historical point of view, we explain exactly what happened and why a group of Icelandic bankers bought West Ham United Football Club. So there was part one of the Tony Cotty interview. Check yeah. back next week for part two, where he talks more about takeovers. He gives us some insight into the takeovers. And also, he talks about his views on the Olympic Stadium, and there's some interesting things around that as well. And, and Sean, he plugs you, his book. And he you, plugs his book. And he plugs his book. Which is available at the x-hammers.com site, which you can get a signed copy for fourteen ninety nine, as I did um, hyphen, for Christmas. Not hyphen, hyphen, hyphen. Or, or buy it on Amazon, a little bit cheaper, but you don't get it signed. Uh, you could just make up a sign and give it to someone, I suppose, but uh, it's not in the spirit of things, is it? Or go to one of his book signings. Um, but yeah, more next week. Um, I was quite excited to listen it back and to do it in the first place. And John, you got anything to say? Oh, yeah, no, I thought it was brilliant, mate. I thought you did a good job of it. He's, he's, uh, quite a few things in there I didn't know, you no. know, so it was quite revealing. I think you, you told him a few things, Sean, didn't you, that he didn't know as well, which is... Yeah, well, mm. I always like to. <laughs> anyway, we, we better yeah, look, crack let's on. Just feed, let's just give Sean more food for his head. Yeah, don't do that, please, please. And his belly. Please. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to David Gold. Uh, podcast m- team set to forfeit for Nigel in bet with Sean. Yeah, so uh, we've got to set a forfeit for Nigel. Nigel, remember we set a, a forfeit. If we get the Olympic Stadium, I will take any bet. And we, we had a bet between myself and John. So Nigel, my WS, uh, WHUFC, wrote in and said, I will not, not money involved, but let's do a forfeit. I'll choose his Sean's forfeit. He hasn't told me what it is yet, but he wants us to choose his. So what is it? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, we just throw it out on us like that, you know. Yeah, we'll give well, it some thought, Sean. Well, he's, he's got ahead of the running order. We're supposed to do David Gold question time first. Oh. Let's do that and come back just to it. Just dress in women's clothes for a day. I like that one. Okay. He's got to dress. In, he's got to go to a football game dressed in women's clothes. Mm. Well, that's just just <laughs> silly. He's <laughs> <It's laughs> not going to do that, is yeah, it? Yeah, it's just not really a forfeit as such, is it? That's, well, what is it then? He, he's he, not going to know. He might actually like dressing up in women's clothes. <laughs> he, don't you know do. these things? He could. He could. How about he goes to? You remember the forfeit you had for me that if uh, Zola, um, I had to go with a t-shirt with Zola out to the last game of the season, which I never had to do, did I? Did I buy myself? <laughs> Zola out. Well, John, I'm still waiting for John to fulfil his forfeit. Andy Carroll being a West Ham player. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. He said John if, if Andy Carroll plays for West Ham, uh, I, I said he said I'll, I'll wear a ponytail and a shirt with Carroll on the back, and I'm still waiting for him to do it. 
I'll tell you, you, you provide the ponytail and the shirt, I'll wear it. All right. Anyway, let's jog on. Let's do David Gold. So now it's time for the classic and everyone's favourite. David Gold question time. 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 So this is the point of the podcast where we go through David Gold's tweets from the week and reenact them. But first, a political broadcast by John. <laughs> what? What's your political, political broadcast? It's a message from the Facebook group. John, from Alan Marks. Please, can you do the David Gold question time so we can hear it? All the silly talking, it just don't work. You make West Ham fans look like Muppets. Ooh. Which I actually replied to that. I'll just put Ooh. a greed well, underneath I, I it. Well, I hate to pick him up on this, but I think it should be sound like Muppets, not look like Muppets. Either way, I agree. And Muppets is with an E. <laughs> uh, Steph Jane Webb asks, And we're back in action. After Christmas, DG. A David Gold, how serious is James Tonkin's intro? Should be okay for Saturday, DG. Justin Finch here. I thought yesterday was a great performance, full of guts and pride. Reminded me of the Billy Bonds days. <laughs> yes, I agree, DG. We were robbed of three points on Saturday. John? Overall, I thought it was a good result, but it was a goal, DG. But actually, I, or overall, I thought it was a fair result. If you're not going to do this properly, John. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I might not do it properly. <laughs> Uh, Dave Gold, sorry if I missed it, but any news on James Collins, please? We will know more after the scan on Monday. Glenn Amog here. DG, are you and Lord Sugar, long lost brothers, question mark? I hope not. I couldn't hug a Spurs fan. DG. Oh, that's cute. He hugs his brothers. That was David Gold question time. So, all that's left is predictions for the Newcastle game. What does everyone think? New Reese, Newcastle away on Sunday. Um, I don't want to be a negative Norris, but uh, oh, I think it's going to be a 2-0 loss. John? one all draw. 2-1 win for me, Sean. Oh, I was going to go for 2-1. I'm going to go... Has anyone gone 1-0 win? No. no, I'll go 1-0 win. It's my favourite scoreline. I think, nice. I think I said last week that we'd get five points over this little run. So I think we're going to get the draw. Okay. So thank you again for listening to More Than Just a Podcast podcast. Um, I hope you enjoyed the Tony Cotty interview. Um, part two is on next week, as we said. And Sean, do you want to say goodbye? Yeah, it's goodbye from me, Sean. I'm very happy, Sean, having to speak to my hero today. And, uh, yeah, and what I can say, I'm, I'm grinning like a Cheshire cat. And Reese, do you want to say goodbye? Yeah, nice to be back. And uh, goodbye for now. I'm John. 
Yeah, nice to have you back, Rhys. Um, yeah, see you later. See you later. Bye. Bobby Moore. More than just a podcast. Bobby Moore. More than just a podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.